Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Man, I'm always glad to be here. You know that. A little inside <laughs> joke. Yeah, man. You good, man? Yeah, man. I'm really good, man. <laughs> I can't. I dropped the ball, I can't, dude. folks. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. T- I, I, it's, it's got this day. But one of these days, I'll come out with it. When the statute of limitations wears out. Yeah, man. I'm good, man. <laughs> Y'all ready, man? Some of, you may, <laughs> some of you may get it. Some of you. You would have to be real followers of yeah. Dan Bongino to get it. I, when the statute of limitations wears out, I promise I'll talk to you about it. All right. <laughs> I got a really, really busy news show today. A lot happened. Um, listen, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, you lost. It stinks. You lost. I lost the race for Congress by nearly the exact same margin she lost the governor's race in Georgia. I get it. It sucks. You ran a good spirited race. We don't agree with nearly anything you say. Confiscating AR-15s in Georgia is probably not a good platform to run on. You ran a good race. You lost. Move on. My gosh, it's over. So I want to get into this today because what's going on in Georgia Oh, again, is not about Georgia. I don't talk about things on the show that are isolated to one particular region. I talk about the national stuff because that's what you guys and ladies are concerned about. What's happening right now in Georgia and the sour grapes with the Democrat who lost handily, by the way, she didn't lose by like 50 votes or like George W. won Florida by 537 against Gore. She lost by about one, one and a half points. Again, the same margin I lost for Congress. It stinks. Mm -hmm. But you can see it and you move on. You lost. But that's not good enough for them because they're looking to stir up racial animus because they think Georgia could be a potential swing state for them in 2020. That's But I'm going to knock all that down and I want to get into some other stuff too. All right. Um, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Policy Genius. Uh, life insurance doesn't have to be the most enjoyable. Uh, excuse me. Life insurance isn't the most enjoyable thing to think about. Most people don't like to think about dying. I know I don't. But actually, having life insurance is a really good feeling. It's nice to have the security knowing that if anything were to happen to you, your family won't have to start a GoFundMe account to stay afloat. Policy Genius is the easy way to get life insurance online. It's super easy. This uh, Folks, you don't have to be even remotely tech savvy to figure this out. It's super simple. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find out what the best policy is for you. And when you compare quotes, you save money. It's that simple. Policy Genius has helped over 4 million people shop for insurance and has placed over $20 billion in coverage. $20 billion in coverage. And they don't just make life insurance easy. They also compare disability insurance, auto insurance, and home insurance. If you care about it, Policy Genius, they can cover it. So if you've been avoiding getting life insurance because it's difficult or confusing, give Policy Genius a try. Just go to policygenius.com. Get your quotes and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on the phone right now. PolicyGenius.com, PolicyGenius.com, PolicyGenius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Super simple. All right. So here's what's really going on in Georgia. So Stacey Abrams, obviously the Democrat, loses to Brian Kemp. And now uh, in one of the most unbelievably ungracious, embarrassing episodes I've seen in politics in modern times. And I don't speak with forked tongue. I can't say this enough. I lost the race by a sliver. I knew Joe when it happened. I mm-hmm. moved on. It stinks, but you move on. You concede. You wish the guy or the woman the best of luck, and you go and you give it the old college try the next time. 
Abrams refuses to do this. She gave a concession speech where she said, I'm not basically I'm not conceding that this is not a concession, but that uh, she refuses to acknowledge that Brian Kemp is the uh, is the uh, she says he's the legal governor of Georgia, but not not the she won't acknowledge he's the legitimate governor of Georgia. Why? Why is this happening? Folks, how many times do I have to say this on this show? And I hope you you all just really tattoo this onto your your upper uh, upper gray matter in your brain. The Democrats never do anything by mistake. They have sensed the ability again using your charge. <laughs> they have sensed the ability in Georgia to move in in a state that has a large minority population to use it as a wedge issue in 2020 to try to knock Georgia into the swing state column for the presidential election. Stacey Abrams knows full well that what she's saying about Brian Kemp and this being a stolen election in Georgia, she knows full well she's not dumb. She knows full well these are specious, nonsensical farcical allegations they are totally completely untrue i want to knock them down for you in the next say five minutes i'm gonna spend too long in this segment one by one because not because this is about georgia because georgia is going to become a 2020 issue about voter suppression fake made up fake charges of voter suppression in 2020 in states with large minority populations where they think they have a chance to beat trump so let's get right to it Hmm. number one they say well Brian Kemp, the secretary of state, who is now the governor elect of Georgia, he purged a bunch of people from the voter rolls. Oh, my gosh. What did he do? Purged them from the like that movie, The Purge, when they show up at people's house, you're off the voter rolls wearing like masks like in that movie, The Purge. What do you mean he purged people from the voter rolls? Well, when you do a little homework, which liberals listening to the show, I understand you don't want to do homework. I get this. I get that homework's disturbing to you because homework uncovers what? facts and data and i understand uh, yeah. liberals you are entirely immune to facts and data i get it that there's nothing we can say to crack through your 65 foot thick skulls of uh, that are it, it's like you know you'd have to proton beam facts and data through that i get that we can't do it but for the people listening who are reasonable and who talk to liberals that may be somewhat persuadable in the future the law the law that Brian Kemp and the state of Georgia used to clean up their voter rolls was a law, Joe, signed into law by, wait, wait, who? Oh, Zell Miller. Zell Miller. Who was Zell Miller? Oh, he was a Democrat, governor in Georgia. Oh, 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 crazy how that happens, isn't it? Yeah. And it was signed into law, Joe, by what? By what? A legislature that was Democratic at the time. Oh, crazy. Crazy how that happens, isn't it? The use it or lose it uh, or use it or lose it law was modeled after the Motor Voter Registration Act, which says if you don't vote in three consecutive elections, they'll send a notification to your house and you have multiple opportunities to reinstate your your registration. But this law signed by Democrats and a Democrat governor was designed because there's a lot of in and out of moving in and out of states to keep people from voting in multiple states and keep their voter rolls clean. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no suppression under this. Even if you did not vote and your voter registration is to use it, purged. It's not purged. They use this term because they know it's loaded, purged. Joe, you can show up on election day with your voter ID, which they have in Georgia, and cast a provisional ballot that will be cast as soon as you can prove you are the person in the ID. 
There's no problem. There's no suppression. They send notifications to your house. There are multiple opportunities to reinstate it. This is a nonsense, fact-free, made-up charge. But you'll hear it again. Suppress the vote in Georgia. Yeah, how did they do that? So now, Joe, let me ask you again. Joe, you are not a poll analyst, correct? Um, you are a sophisticated no. executive producer and radio engineer, but you are not a poll analyst, right? Oh, no, no, no. So let me ask a you a simple question again. This uh-huh. is not a setup, Joe. All right. If uh, the Republicans in Georgia were looking to suppress the vote to a, a purge that was mysteriously signed into effect by Democrats, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You would think if those voter rolls were purged and they were suppressing the vote, if the vote was suppressed, this is not a trick question, Joe. Right, if the right, vote right. was suppressed, do you think voter turnout amongst Democrats would go down or up? Think about this for a second. This is a hard question. If the Democrats' allegations, right, that voters' votes were suppressed, hmm. would voter uh, would voting have would, would voter turnout been up or been down? Well, I'm going to say down. Yes, That's you would be say. correct. Down. Yes, ah! Joe's right. If voter suppression really was rampant throughout Georgia. A, a common sense. Again, I'm talking about common sense. I'm sorry. I know some of you don't. Like, oh, but the liberals, we got to try to persuade. No, no, I'm not. I'm trying to persuade normal people. Liberals mm-hmm. will continue to no matter what you tell them, none of this will break through. It would suggest that voting was actually suppressed then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, uh, not so much, Joe. Voter rolls. The voter rolls. Expanded by 20%. So let me just get this straight. So you're saying that somehow the voter rolls were purged and yet the voter rolls expanded by 20%. You say, oh, all right. Well, voter turnout clearly was down. Oh, was it? Okay, so let's look at that. Because again, we do facts here. I know facts are tough for you guys and ladies. I get it if you're on the lib side of the fence. But just chew on this one for a minute, okay? (sighs) Voter turnout was up. 16.4% 16.4% over the no. last midterm in 2014. Vo- Joe, voter spread, yeah. voter turnout. Now, folks, we're doing a visual here. Let me show you what I'm doing. Voter turnout up. Joe, what am I doing? Is my hand going up? It's going voter turn Ooh. up. Hands go up. Hands hand. go up. Hand. 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 We need Neanderthal Joe. Neanderthal Joe has not made an appearance in a long time. Ooh. Hand up. Ooh. up. Good. Hand up. This is impossible to explain to people using anything other than like Basic like hand up, voter Ooh. turnout up. Are you missing this? Ooh. This is crazy. Voter turnout, not only. Oh, so you ma- now let me give you the liberal counter. Uh-huh. Yes. Neanderthal Joe, let me give you the liberal counter because uh-huh. some people will suggest, right, that uh-huh. voter turnout, when it went up 16.4%, it must have went up higher in other states, right? Uh-huh. No, uh-huh. voter turnout uh-huh. was only up. 12% in other states. <laughs> this is, folks, this is crazy. Liberals, will you ever get your facts right? Joe, I got one more for you because this one's kind of interesting too. The Democrats' other talking point. So voter turnout's up. Voter rolls are up. The law that they're citing for the purge of the votes was signed by Democrats. There was no purge because the voter rolls expanded. Now, another thing they've said as well, these polling locations, the lines, and, and listen, fair enough. This, this, I'm open. To, I'm, I'm definitely open to hearing the liberal point of view on this because what they're saying is not factually incorrect. The what they get from it and what they, the conclusions they draw are not correct. But this part is real. There were very long lines in a lot of Democrat-leaning counties uh, to vote. 
But think about what I just said, Joe. Democrat-leaning counties. Brian Kemp, who was the Secretary of State, had no say whatsoever over over the placing of poll locations in the Democrat-leaning counties where the Democrats and the county officials had shuttered poll locations, folks. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, this is serious stuff. Like, I I am, I, I get it. I totally get it. Lines were long. And the Republican platform, if we really believe in liberty and freedom, never, ever should be the case. Let's make it difficult to vote. I'm not, I don't stand for that. You do whatever you want. I don't stand for that ever. But that was not a decision made by the Republicans. It was in Democrat counties and the county officials made those decisions. And I'm sorry, Joe, but long lines is not suppression. And it's definitely not suppression when Democrat and uh, county officials make the decision to shutter polling locations. People have to. There are multiple opportunities to vote. I I mean, I I just folks, it just drives me crazy because you're going to see this, Joe. Again, you're going to see this reappear in 2020 in Georgia. They stole the election. This is how the Democrats are. Whenever they lose, they want the institution shut down. The governorship in Georgia is not legitimate. They lost the Senate. The Senate's not legitimate. It's not based fairly enough on population. I saw an article today in the Wall Street Journal suggesting that we should carve up the states now, Joe. California should become whatever. North and South California, East and West California, so they get more Senate seats. That Florida should be carved up. Texas should be carved up. New York should be carved up. Nah, folks, this is what the Democrats do. They want they lose the Supreme Court. They want to stack the Supreme Court <laughs> because they're committed to genuflecting at the altar of power. They do not believe in a limited government. They have placed all their faith in the power of government to rule over your lives. When they lose it, they lose their minds and they want the government of old dismantled for a government of new, a government they can control. Mm-hmm. Joe, you and I don't do that because we believe in a higher power than government. That higher power of government are God-given big R rights. Mm-hmm. Big R rights granted by God, protected by a constitution. Protecting us against the government. Keep and bear arms. Rights that shall not be infringed. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, freedom to petition. These are rights granted to us by God, not granted to us by government. The Constitution protects us against what they, it's a bill. It's a, the Bill of Rights is a bill of negative, uh, negative rights for the government. It tells the government what they can't do to you. Right. The Democrats don't see it that way. They see the government as a, 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 a medium to control people's lives, the central planning component of it. They're the, the overseer of all. They will grant you your little R rights, not God. You weren't born free. You were born to government. And when they lose that power, they erupt. That's why you're seeing the delegitimization of the governorship in Georgia, the Senate, the Supreme Court, all of it. It's gross, folks. It's really disgusting what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right. I got a lot of other stories. here. Some of you were a little uh, upset yesterday. I missed the Swalwell. So I didn't miss it. I covered it on my NRA TV show on Friday, but just quickly because it's such a dumb story. Uh, a frequent topic of our Joe and I, both our ire on this show uh, is, is Democrat uh, Congressman from California, excuse me, um, Eric Swalwell, um, who is one of the more embarrassing members of Congress. I'm sorry. I've heard he's a nice guy personally. I just don't care. I don't want to have dinner with the guy. Um, 
Uh, he's just really an embarrassing fellow. Um, he has promoted a bill for a while now to uh, confiscate people's firearms from their house. Uh, yeah, he's a big gun grabber. Uh, he's he's one of the lead proponents of the Russian collusion hoax. Uh, he has no evidence that there is any collusion at all, but he continues to propagate it. And he's one of the more smarmier kind of s- smart alecky members of Congress who thinks, he's, you know, he's one of those guys. I, I heard this about a member of Congress once, not him, but I'm sure it applies to him, too. He's the smartest guy in the room, Joe. Just ask him. Um, he'll tell you. So Swalwell's that guy. Um, you know, he's he is. He's 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 clownish. He just said, I mean, just, just watch his Twitter feed. Right. So he sends out a tweet last week. I didn't miss it. I just I said I covered it on my NRA TV show. And uh, a couple of people yesterday were like, oh, you got to make a quick comment on this. He sends out a tweet in response to a guy, Joe Biggs, on Twitter. And uh, Joe Biggs had, had, had sent something on Twitter to him, the effect of like, if you if you if you come and get our guns, you're going to cause some kind of like a war. And Swalwell, who's a member of Congress on his actual congressional account, tweets back and a short war it would be. We've got nukes, man. And they're legit. Hey, mom, the meatloaf. <laughs> Swalwell's like, hey, ma, the nukes, the Moabs, dude, dude. Listen, I. I Remember the Rob Schneider thing, the, 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 the whatever, the 50 ways to say, dude, you know, the serial killers around the corner and you think he's a dude, right? This is one of those confused dudes. Dude, dude, what? You're a member of Congress. You're, I get it. Was Swalwell actually threatening nuclear war against the American population? No, he's a congressman. He has no authority to do that. Let's not be ridiculous. But still, in the realm of dumb tweets, this is a platinum. It's not even gold. This is like platinum this is like rare earth mineral stupid yeah, but, well, what's a rare earth mineral molybdenum or something i don't even know uh, kryptonite from the superman movies ah, this is yeah. like the dumbest <laughs> tweet i have ever heard in the history of the twitters as i said on fox and friends this was so stupid even jokingly or sarcastically threatening nuclear war against the american population so i'll leave it at this this joker clown he's a clown i mean the guy's a clown He's a, he, he's a clown sitting up on Capitol Hill with a taxpayer-funded job who, sh- I mean, should have resigned from office right after that stupidity. But he wants to run for president, uh, hysterically enough, in 2020. So, Joe, I put together um, a, a campaign slogan for... You know, <laughs> no, no. And, I, and I thought about it from your Arby's drop that everybody happened to love last week. Or we have the beats. <laughs> so, so uh, Swalwell, 2020, we have the nukes. Maybe even he can, even, he can get the Arby's guy. That's a te- voice talent guy. People are paid. I, we had a voice talent guy. He's the one who did our, our intro yeah. and outro. He's a good guy. This guy, Pete, right? Maybe he can hire that guy, whatever his name is, Joey Bag of Donuts, who did the We Have the Meats, Eric Swalwell, 2020. We have the nukes. That. What do you think? Is that I solid like or what? Maybe let, me, should, let me try it. Yeah, yeah. We have the nukes. See, Joe it's does it pretty close. good. Joe, Eric Swalwell. <laughs> I could give you his number. I know Joe's number. I know his email. And he's on Twitter, at Joe Haas with a Z1. <laughs> Tweet to Focus him. Up, Joe babe. will do yeah. it. We'll get on it early. Joe may not even charge you. We'll make it an in-kind donation to your campaign. <laughs> Eric Swowa, we have the nukes. So <laughs> dumb. I didn't miss the story. I just, it was so dumb. And yeah. yesterday I was stacked with news, especially on that George Nader connection, that I really didn't even want to waste your time because the stupid was epic. But after getting a few emails, I realized sometimes people just want me to comment on it. So there you go. All right, let me uh, get through this. I'm going to get to it. There's a lot of news going on. Um, there's a thing with Ivanka and the emails the judge on an asylum thing, so I don't want to miss this out either. Uh, Folks, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Helix Sleep. Hey, listen, they were kind enough to send a mattress for uh, my daughter, my daughter Amelia, 
we, and we just got a new bed. And my wife, once in a while, because she's six, will read her a book and she'll fall asleep with, I'm not kidding. This is not like, all right, the response you got to say, I'm not making this up. My wife was like, damn, that's a really comfortable mattress. Helix Sleep. Not only is it the most comfortable mattress you're going to find, but for the price, you are not going to find anything better. Listen, there's nobody on a planet like you. So why buy a generic mattress built for everyone else? Helix Sleep built a sleep quiz. It takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Whether you're a side sleeper, a hot sleeper like me, like a plush or a firm bed, with Helix, there's no more guessing or confusion. Just go to get ready. HelixSleep.com slash Dan. That's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, HelixSleep.com slash Dan. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. For couples, Helix can even split the mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side. They have a 10-year warranty, and you'll get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. That's pretty cool. Right now, Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders. Go check it out. $125 off at helixsleep.com slash Dan. Get rid of that old nasty mattress. Helixsleep.com slash Dan for $125 off your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash Dan. It is really comfortable. My wife was like, dude. Rob Schneider's dude, that is a comfortable <laughs> mattress. She fell. I'm like, eh, yeah, folks, you know, not to read you in totally, but I feel like I know you all because I read all your emails and everything, and you tweet me mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, you sleep in the same bed with the same person for 15 years. Sometimes in the middle of the night, you wake up and you know, and uh, like your hand will drop over, and usually you'll hit an arm or something. There's nothing there. I'm like, where'd she go? She was inside. She fell asleep with my six year old reading her Ainsley Earhart's book. As a matter of fact, my daughter loves that book, Ainsley Earhart's book. Uh, she really digs it. All right. <laughs> she does. My little one loves that book. Ainsley was so nice about it. too. So, uh, the uh, Joe, a new, new uh, an amusing air quotes. Your new scandal has erupted all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. New scandal. You need to be really okay. right on this scandal. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. So devastating. The White House is finished again. This is another one of those. It's over. It's over for Trump. <laughs> the media all of a sudden is concerned now about private email use. Um, they didn't uh, seem to... Uh, and I shouldn't say that the media covered Hillary's email scandal. I don't want to be dramatic because then we lose credibility. I don't want to do that. I, I was trying to be, but it's not, they did cover it. They just, the liberals, I should say the liberals, because the media was kind of forced to, I'm not giving them any credit. I'm just saying they were kind of, it became such a big deal. They were forced to cover it. liberals. I should say now all of a sudden are concerned about private email use. So what happened? Um, yesterday it was uh, breaking news that Ivanka Trump has used a personal email account for some scheduling issues when they entered the White House in that crossover period. Uh, the email was was personal. It was under a family domain name for her and Jared. Folks, again, I'm unlike uh, liberals. I'm not a hypocrite. Uh, you know, we should use uh, for government business government emails. Period. Full stop. I'm good. I don't. There's no caveats, provisos, if ands or buts. But what I find interesting is. Liberals are now super concerned about this, despite the fact, here's a statement issued by the White House on this, there was no classified information involved, the account was never transferred at the Trump organization, and no emails were ever deleted. In other words, all right, Joe, it was a mistake. We got it. You cool with it? Joe's cool with it. Joe's the audience. I'm I'm cool with it. It was a mistake. People make mistakes. The point of this is, is, to compare this to the Hillary email debacle is outrageous it is so unbelievably disingenuous and stupid we Mm. still don't have hillary's thirty-three thousand missing emails about yoga or so she says yoga who the hell emails thirty-three thousand times about yoga listen 
yoga's great. I know people who do yoga. My wife loved it. She did the hot yoga stuff, the yoga lotties, the yogi lotties or whatever the heck it is. She thought it was great. You don't email anyone 33,000 times about yoga. Okay. The day is that we, Joe, simple math on this. There are over 300 days in a year. What are you emailing people? A hundred times a day about yoga? Man, this yoga is good. My Achilles feels great. My elbow feels great. My middle finger feels great. Man, my mm-hmm. neck is loose. I did dialing dog or whatever it is, dancing dog. What are those? I don't even know these poses. Backward dog, leaping dog, you know, flying cat. I don't even know these yoga poses. You know, uh, what is it? Downward dog? I, I'm serious. I don't even know. But what? how the hell are you emailing people 33,000 times about yoga? <laughs> Shows off the rails. I'm in a particularly <laughs> good mood today it for various, because it's Thanksgiving week and I love it. Folks, you can't email people 33,000 times about yoga. It's not even practical. Give me a break. Oh, it's about private stuff. We're going to a wedding. How many weddings you go to? Do you go to 100 weddings a day? <laughs> How many? What were you like, the, the Catherine Heigl in 27 dresses? You go to a, a wedding every day? <laughs> Give me a break. Folks, these scandals are not comparable. And unlike the left, we'll have principles. Yeah, it was a mistake. Uh-huh. She has turned over the emails. We have the emails. We can all read them. Clearly, from what we've seen, they're about scheduling issues. And there's no classified information. Fine. To compare this to Hillary Clinton, who exchanged classified information, had people wipe uh, headers off of classified documents, deleted 33,000 emails, and then it appears, according to uh, uh, reporting out there, that some of her people lied about it. Is this is apples and oranges? Are you kidding me? Again, knock down your liberal friends' nonsense. Who all of a sudden care about private email use? All right, I got a lot more to get through. So much going on today, folks. I want to pack it all in. So, a federal judge, Tyner, something appointed by um, Barack Obama. A federal judge has now uh, put a hold on Donald Trump's ability to stop asylum requests from people from this caravan that enter illegally. Folks, this is turning into a really big deal. Um, The people in Tijuana on the border uh, with California are really, really, really upset. Uh, Folks, they are not happy right now. They have a caravan of thousands of people with more to come sleeping on the streets right now. Um, There is no ability for the infrastructure of the city to handle this. This was clearly poorly thought out. The logistics are atrocious and people in the end are going, this is not going to end well for people. There's going to be some, you know, there's the possibility for all kinds of civil unrest here. People in Tijuana are not happy. Now, Donald Trump signed an order saying that now you will not be able to claim asylum if you fail to enter at a legal port of entry into the United States. In other words, folks, Trump's order stated, if you walk through the border anywhere outside of a port of entry illegally, your asylum request is null and void. Now, I believe he had the authority to do that. Section 212F of the Immigration Nationalization Act. I've said this before, but I'll read it to you again. 212F, Immigration Nationalization Act. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation, which is what he did, and for such period as he shall deem necessary, which is what he did, 
suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. Case closed. Thank you. Apparently not. An Obama-appointed judge said, no, no, uh, you can't do that. It doesn't say anything about having to declare asylum at the port of entry, but it does say something about the president being able to restrict any class of aliens by proclamation that he deems would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. Now, that doesn't make sense why I brought up what's happening in Tijuana. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have to draw hypotheticals anymore about what's going to happen when the caravan gets to the border, Joe. They're already here. And there's already conduct potentially detrimental to the United States happening in the form of civil unrest on the other side of the border. This is a clear-cut case. Again, your liberal friends and this liberal judge are just making this stuff up. Dan Horowitz at uh, Conservative Review was, uh, you know, was all over this stuff about legislating from the bench and the damage federal judges are doing by legislating from the bench to our, our national infrastructure our, and, our, and, and our national legislate our ability to legislate away issues. We're going to try to. They're basically just making it up as they go along. Sorry, that was poorly worded. They're, the judges are just making it up as they go along. Well, what do I think is going to happen? Um, well, I hope Congress acts quickly and uh, we can fix this legislatively. And you know what? Put the Democrats on the spot. We're in a, a lame duck now, but this is the perfect opportunity to get this done, to amend the law to say that asylum is, uh, is uh, you cannot declare, uh, make an asylum declaration outside of a legal port of entry in the United States. It is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. I have an article in the show notes about that today, too. Another good article, by the way, about Stacey Abrams, too, with the show notes. So please uh, subscribe to my email list. I really appreciate that. I get these articles out. We're putting up some really good content um, at our website. Okay. Um, There was an article up by John Solomon, who at The Hill, as I've told you, I'm absolutely convinced based on his contacts, knows the whole Spygate collusion hoax story start to finish. I'm sure of it. The way he writes about it at the Hill, he leaks out information uh, slowly but surely, I think, to not overwhelm you with stuff. But he had an article last night that's that's interesting, and I, I, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. It's in the show notes. I'd like you to read it. But it's an it, it covers one of the angles, the information superhighway I've discussed in the show often about the problems with the spying operation to take down the Trump team, right? So, Joe, one of the things we bring up a lot is that one of the scandals here, we have the spying scandal where they spied on the Trump team, and I call it the information superhighway scandal, where mm-hmm. they shuttled information into the FBI at the highest levels and into the DOJ, right, right at the top. In other words, bypassing field agents and field operatives in the intelligence community and the FBI that likely would have done what? Would have sniffed out this information as complete, total BS. Right. Folks, you have to understand what what happened in the Spygate thing is the information from the Hillary Clinton operation from Christopher Steele, what we know as the dossier, the fake information on Trump. Any competent FBI employee who had worked in the field who was nonpartisan would have sniffed this thing out as being complete BS from minute one. So what they did is they shuttled it from Steele right into the upper levels of the DOJ through Bruce Orr, who was the number four over there. And, and uh, Bruce Orr's wife happened to work at Fusion GPS, where Christopher Steele was working, too. This is how they bypassed these lower level channels that would have said, again, this stuff is nonsense. Now, 
What's the new revelation in Solomon's piece? It's interesting, Joe, because it quotes a guy, John Maffa, who's an analyst uh, at the FBI, who apparently went up to the Hill and testified. Now, Maffa said at one point, uh, testified that while this dossier was being used in the FISA court, that they were still in the midst of trying, trying to verify this. Notice he doesn't say they verified uh, you know, it, it in whole cloth. They verified 50% of it. He says, apparently, if you read the piece there, that they were still trying to verify it. Now, why is this a big deal? You know, it's driving me crazy. It's a big deal because Solomon writes in the beginning of the piece that Steele and his company Orbis, remember, Steele's providing this information to the FBI. Dude, he's, he's mainlining it. He's like IVing it right into the upper levels of the DOJ and the FBI. So it bypasses the low levels, right? Mm-hmm. Steele's credibility obviously matters here. The FBI had worked with him again uh, in the past on other things, right? So Steele's credibility matters because one of the things you have to do if you're going to use a source is you have to verify that the source has provided you credible information in the past, right? And you have to verify the information he provides as well or make an attempt to. So you need two prongs to bring that information into the courts. The source has to be authenticated and verified and validated, and right. his information has to be validated. Why is this Solomon piece important, Joe? Because now it looks like they did neither. So Maffa, who's this upper-level FBI analyst, apparently, according to Solomon's piece, told Capitol Hill that the verification process for the dossier was still going on. They were still tr- trying. Try. This is like a Yoda episode. Dude, do. Uh, there's uh, no try. What does he tell Luke, right? Do. There is no try. They weren't even doing. They were trying. They couldn't even verify it. So prong number two, verifying Steele's information, hadn't even happened. Right. Even worse, here's the new part. Solomon cites a intel- an intelligence report Steele had put together on the Russian government and the effectiveness of Vladimir Putin as a leader. And the intelligence report basically says, Joe, that, oh, Putin's uh, grasp on leadership is falling apart in Russia. What's the point? The point is Steele's assessment was so grossly off base that it conflicted directly with information the CIA had. What's the problem, folks? The problem here, again, if you're going to bring information into the courts to spy on a Trump team, you have to authenticate and validate the source as being competent, and you have to authenticate and validate the information as being legitimate. The information wasn't validated, and apparently the source's information was in direct conflict to what the CIA had said about the Russian government. In other words, your source is crap. It's garbage. By the way, Joe, you have to check out my Instagram. A viewer, thank you very much, sent me a photo of Muttley with an I love Paula button on. Thank you for that. That's on my Instagram. Paula thought it was funny, too. Folks, they didn't even verify that the information that Steele had given in the past about Russia wasn't was unbelievably wrong, like wrong times the power of 10. And it conflicted directly with the information the CIA had. In other words, the U.S. government knew this guy was a crap source. So now your source is crap and his information is crap. And you still walked it in there into the FISA court, insisting the information was totally legit, folks. Read the story. It is really good. It's I, you know, when I first saw it, I read the first few paragraphs. I was like, oh, all right. So Steele wasn't bad. So, I mean, Steele's information was 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 wrong. I, I get it. Um, 
But I really, and then I like put it together. I'm like, oh, now I get what he's trying to say. Because remember, I'm telling you Solomon knows the whole story. What he's trying to point out in the piece is that both prongs were off. Steel's, Steel was a crap source and his information was crap. They mm-hmm. didn't even get one of them right. That one. Oh, man, this story gets worse by the minute. But read the story. It's up at the show notes today. Check it out. All right, I got a lot of, a couple of economic things to get to. I, um, Finally read some good news yesterday, and uh, I really wanted to pass it on because it is the, it's Thanksgiving week, and a lot of you are going to be around with your family. It's always good to see your family. You know, I, I love hanging out with folks. I don't get out of the house much, so last night I was with some friends down in, uh, I went down to Jupiter. We ate at a really nice Italian place. It was great. The chicken meatballs were spectacular, but you're hanging around, you want to feel good, and uh, I, I got to be candid with you. My understanding of economics and finance scares me. Sometimes I almost wish that I could go back um, to not understanding spreadsheets and net present value analysis because, ladies and gentlemen, we're in a lot of trouble economically. We owe money that I'm I'm not convinced we're going to be able to pay back. Eventually, those debts are going to become due. And when they come due, the citizens of the United States are going to have to pay them. That money is going to come out of your wallet. And I think it's going to impoverish a lot of Americans in the future. I've said this before. It terrifies me. It really does. It scares me the debt position we're in, how government continues to expand. So I read an article yesterday by a guy I really like, Lewis Woodhill. He does really terrific work. He wrote it at the Washington Times. Please read this piece because it'll put a smile on your face, right? It's by Woodhill and uh, I think Steve Moore. They co-wrote it. It's not that long. Um, It's actually pretty short. But he talks about how something I have said in the past on the good side, how we can grow out of this. Joe, can you vouch for me on this? I've mm-hmm. said this before. You did, yeah. That I remember. Our, we can grow out of this. Yeah. Now, it has to be growth. I mean, real economic growth. And when I say grow out of this, to be precise, so I don't leave you in any kind of a, you know, a, a confused state on this, I mean grow out of our massive government debt and entitlement situation. We owe a lot of people a lot of money, and there's basically nothing but red ink in the future. We can grow out of it, but I think I may have overestimated the growth numbers. So Stephen Moore and Woodhill put some numbers, put some pen to paper and said, listen, if we can continue on this growth trajectory we're on now, we may be, and I'm not, keep in mind, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't cut government spending. Don't take this the wrong way. I am. I'm simply suggesting if we just put a cap on it, we can grow out of it by doing this. So let me read to you some quotes from this piece because it's really good. And I'd like you to read it before the holidays because it goes to show you if we can reelect Donald Trump, and get good Republicans in the Congress to stick to their guns, get a cap on government spending, keep the tax cuts, get some more tax cuts in there, and juice the economy for 3 even 4% growth, here's what'll happen. Smile, folks. You live in the greatest country on earth, and this outlook is nowhere else. Here we go. More in Woodhill. Quote, it is true that real GDP growth was only about 1.9% under Presidents Bush and Obama. That's low, folks. But the number was 3.8% under Clinton, 3.7% under Reagan, and well over 3% for the 20th century as a whole, despite the Great Depression. Accordingly, the right name for the economic theory being pushed by the Keynesian progressive crowd is secular stupidity. In other words, this this far-left Keynesian economics is the bedrock of liberal economics. They believe in what they call secular stagnation. Woodhill and Moore call it secular stupidity. They're right. In other words, the economy's stagnant because everything that's been invented has been invented, and this is just, government's going to have to fix it in the future. That's stupidity. It's just dumb. He goes on. 
The next question is, what growth target will get the, uh, the debt down? In other words, how quickly do we have to grow our economy so that the money we owe now is manageable? Folks, just think about it from your own perspective, right? Mm-hmm. If you make $100,000 a year and you owe a million, you're in big trouble. If you still owe that million and you make $10 million a year, you're not in trouble anymore. You're not even close to in trouble, right? Although you still have the same debt. So it's what growth target do we need to get the debt down? This is the piece again. As shown in the graph, and you can see in the piece, if GDP growth over the next 30 years were to average a mere 2.6% show, rather than the 1.9% under the Bush and Obama years, the projected fiscal disaster vanishes, goes away. And this includes Social Security and Medicare. The further we go out in the future with this higher growth target, in other words, the longer we can maintain, Joe, even mm-hmm. 2.6%. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not a lot. That is not a lot. We've averaged 3% over the last century, even factoring in the Great Depression. If we just hit 2.6%, rather than the Obama-Bush years growth rates, which were abysmal, right? Obama handed Trump a 1.9% growth rate. We project out in the future, the lower the debt levels become. Because the debt level as a measure of our national income goes down because we're making a lot of money. Final, uh, final sentence. This is because the compounding effect of faster growth far outpaces the pace of entitlement spending, even with the aging population. Folks, this is unabashedly good news. This is terrific, wonderful, awesome news. It basically means that the Trump growth rates we have now 3.5%, 3%. If we can continue this for this, this potentially six more years and get a President Pence after that, or a President Don Trump Jr., or some solid, strong conservative in there, President Cruz or whatever, and keep these low taxes, low regulation, vibrant entrepreneurial economy going, folks, we can grow out of this. The good news is it's not all doom and gloom, even with the stupid decisions now. We would probably be growing a lot faster if we could get the darn government and the government spending off our backs. Remember, government spending is taxation. You may say, well, no, it's not. They're taking on debt. Okay, it's just taxation in the future for your kids. You you pay it. There's no money, Ferry. When the government takes on debt, someone's got to pay it back. And the answer is who pays it back? You do. Right. The good news, though, is if we hit even basic targets, 2.6%, if we can just keep the Democrats and their anti-business, anti-free markets, anti-economics, anti-common sense nonsense out of the federal government, out of the state governments, and out of our wallets, we have the chance to grow out of this fiscal disaster we're looking at right now. I have to tell you, and I don't, you know, I include a lot of different stuff in the show because it's a, you know, like I said, it's a national show based on our audience. And I want to make sure everybody takes something away from this that'll hopefully make your lives a little better. I, I really am committed to this. That's why I get up super early and do a lot of prep for this show. But I'm being totally candid when I tell you that rarely do I read an article that makes me feel really, really good about our future. Rarely. Because I'm, I'm I don't know, maybe I'm a bit of a pessimist. I don't know. Maybe it's the secret service agent in me. We always have to envision the worst case scenario. But I read this piece and I suggest you read it too in the Washington Times. Again, it's in the show notes. And I think you'll feel really good about what's happening with the Trump economy right now. If we can just get people to stop voting against their own economic interests, we can keep this, uh, we can keep this gravy train going. 
All right, folks. Uh, one more read, and I want to I want to finish up my socialism story for tomorrow, my fake socialism story, because Matt, my uh, writer at my website, Matt Palumbo, put a lot of work into this piece at Bongino.com, debunking myths of Scandinavian fake socialism. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not socialism. Stop making that up. All right, you need a gift for the holidays. Let me give you a good one. My friends at We the People Holsters, folks, they make the best looking, most comfortable. These things are works of art. Beautiful, precision measured holsters you've ever seen. Not only that, with the deal I'm going to give you, it's only $24. We the People Holsters are manufactured. They're custom made holsters right here in the USA. They're made in Las Vegas. They do not use third party molds. They cut these holsters in-house with precision. These things are gorgeous. They are beautiful. They gave me a sample once. I was blown away. I said, bring them on as a sponsor. They have beautiful designs. They have a Constitution holster, camo. They have the thin blue line, just beautiful designs. They update all the time. They have models for women. Now, the nice part about their holsters, these aren't these cheapo $5 in the pants things you get at the buff store, right? This is the real deal. These things are cut to precision. They are beautiful. And you can adjust the cant and the ride by just turning a screw. The cant and the ride means you can adjust how the, so- how the holster sits on you. So if, you know, if it's uncomfortable with those cheapo ones, it's not, you're stuck with it. That's it. The clip is what it is. The clip fits there and you're screwed. Not with this. You can adjust it. You can also adjust the tension. You like your firearm a little more secure? Turn the screw. You like it a little uh, looser in there? Just turn the screw. It's as simple as that. Folks, they price their holsters at just $34. But if you uh, go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan, you'll get $10 off your first holster and free shipping. Come on. That's just $24 for a beautiful, beautiful holster. This makes a great gift. Folks, their stuff sells like hotcakes. I'm not even kidding. Um, you, you almost emptied their factory once because these things are so... I'm not kidding. Because that's how much these things sell. Uh, wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. We the people holsters.com. Every holster ships free. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a refund, but you won't need it. We the people holsters.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan for $10 off. That's just $24 with free shipping. Um, okay. So uh, my buddy Matt put a lot of work into this piece, debunking myths of Scandinavian socialism because it's not socialism. And the reason, again, I keep bringing this up so it relates to you and your life is we now are into the 2020 election season. 2018 is now over. Um, it looks like outside of, I believe, one or two congressional races, um, everything uh, has been called. Georgia's been called. Florida's been called. Folks, there's no rest. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, if This may be the wrong show for you if you think otherwise. The left is already working through Act Blue and other places. They're already working on 2020. What's happening in Georgia, to kind of circle back to the beginning of the show, is not being done to impact the Georgia race. That's over. Brian Kemp, the Republicans, the governor. It's being done to do uh, anger uh, disingenuously, by the way, minority voters who feel they were disenfranchised when they weren't. Voter turnout again was up. They are already working on 2020. Now, I bring this up in relationship to my debunking Scandinavian socialism piece because a lot of the people who won their seats in office and are going to run for president are going to run far, far to the left. The days of the Bill Clinton era, big government's over speech up at the State of the Union are done. The Democrat Party right now, if you want donor money, trust me on this one. If you want donor money and you want volunteers, you will get on the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez far left train and you will jump on it quick or they will run you down. 
There is no room anymore for moderates like a Jim Webb type. That's over. You have no chance of getting the nomination for your party. You can expect things like Medicare for all and this debate about Denmark and Norway and Sweden, how wonderful these places are to continue to reappear throughout the 2020 election cycle because silly liberals and Democrats who are confused actually believe these places are far better off economically than the United States. Now, I addressed a little bit of this yesterday. There's a piece up at my website that Matt Palumbo did debunking myths of Scandinavian socialism. Here are some numbers for you to show you that Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and others are not better off than you are in the United States. It says, even after accounting for the dollar value of transfer payments and government benefits, in other words, even after factoring in government money given to people, right? A single in- in- uh, income couple earning the average wage with two children will pay an average personal income tax rate of 22% in Nordic countries. In other words, if you're a middle-class person, In these Nordic countries, even after factoring all the money government gives you, you are still going to pay a personal income tax rate of 22%. In the United States, if you're a middle-class person, you are going to pay a rate of 14.2%. Across all family types, the average American family earning the average wage, get a load of this. Now, let me just set this up quick because I want this to hit home for you. So Mm -hmm. I want to make this real. The problem with the Ocasio-Cortez-Sanders types is they never make it real for people what they're promises of free stuff are going to cost free stuff as it turns out is really expensive for the middle class joe yeah let me read this again now across all family types the average american family earning the average wage would pay two to five thousand more in taxes each year net of the value of any transfer payments than a nordic family Note that this comparison is of Nordic countries, Scandinavia plus Finland and Iceland. He sourced it too. You can click on the uh, the sources he has in there. Now, so you're going to pay more. You're going to pay a lot more. And all of your free stuff is not going to add up. Well, why? Well, Matt goes into that too. He says, and despite all of the freebies in Scandinavia, Americans consume much more. So in other words, your take is, oh, well, you know, in these Nordic countries, they pay more, but they get more. Eh, Wrong. Sorry. Americans consume much more. According to an analysis of an OECD of OECD consumption data by the White House, average consumption per person. Here's where it is, is more in the United States. Average consumption per person is 31% lower in Denmark than it is in the United States. So again, if your silly argument is, well, you know, these Nordic countries pay a lot more in taxes, but they get a lot more stuff. No, they don't. Consumption is 31% lower. So you pay more and get less in Denmark than it is in the United States. It's 32% lower in Sweden than it is in the United States. It's 18% lower in Norway than it is on the United States than it is in the United States. Folks, do you understand there's, again, if facts and data are hard for you, I get it. This may not be the show for you, but this is going to be a topic that is going to reemerge. We got to be more like the Scandinavian countries. We got to be more like these uh, European social welfare countries. They are getting so much more for their money. Yes, their taxes are high. We get it, but we'll pay more and we'll get more. No, you're paying less and getting more here. Those are just not the facts. You're just making stuff up. You're just fabricating it out of thin air. Now, one more point on this, which Matt points out in the piece, which is really good. Yeah. 
Scandinavians in the United States. I always get these weird texts during the show. Please give me a call. Like, who? Who are you? I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. (laughs) Scandinavians in the United States are wealthier than Scandinavians in Scandinavia. What does that tell you, folks? It tells you that the cause, largely, of the Scandinavian economic success story, despite their high taxes and less consumption, their ability to keep their heads above water, Joe, is likely due to a cultural work ethic. Why? It's simple, because when you take Scandinavians out of those countries and you put them in a relatively free market in the United States, they get richer than they were in Scandinavia. Dude, do you see the analogy of it? You get it? When you transplant the Scandinavian cultural work ethic from Scandinavia, which suffocates their citizens with high taxes and the heavy burden of government, and you transplant them in the United States where the burden of government and the tax load is less, they succeed and earn more. Matt puts some fascinating numbers. They're worth this amount in the United States based on income. And this amount in Scandinavia. Folks, these are not difficult arguments to make if you're interested in reality. I promise you these are going to become huge campaign issues going forward. So I want you to keep these takeaways in your head. Yes, they pay more in taxes. And if we want that here, you will pay more too. Upwards of two to $5,000 more for the average family. You pay less in taxes now and you consume. In other words, you get more stuff. Those are just the numbers. Those countries pay higher taxes and consume less, not more. Secondly, yes, those countries do tend to do well economically and grow at times, not all the time, despite the heavy foot of government being on their neck. But a lot of this is due to the Scandinavian cultural work ethic. When you take those folks and you relocate and they relocate to the United States, they are worth more economically here than they are in Scandinavia. If this bothers you, folks, I'm sorry. But again, facts have to matter sometimes. All right. I just, I, I, I'm sorry. I just get really, yeah, when people don't, uh, the facts and data stuff, I just can't get over because I'm, I'm hearing it now. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez and these others, congratulations on your win. I know it's hard to win. But this Medicare for all stuff and all that is economically entirely unfeasible. Understand they've tried this. They've tried this uh, socialized medicine system, uh, system, even in the liberal state of Vermont, where they pitched a bill that was so expensive that the Democrat governor turned it down. Folks, I want to be crystal clear on this. We could confiscate all of the corporate taxes in the country. And we would still have to significantly up the income tax rates in the country. And we still wouldn't have enough money to pay for, quote, free health care for everyone. Remember what P.J. O'Rourke said. You think health care is expensive now? Wait till it's free. Mm. There is no such thing as free health care. It is super expensive. Not only will you pay more, you're going to get hosed because the government's going to control it. And you're going to have to dial up a bureaucrat to get your tre- your chest cracked open. You don't even like going to the DMV now to get your driver's license. You want to call a bureaucrat because you had a heart attack and you need to have your life saved? Does this make any sense to you? Remember the four ways to spend money. I wasn't going to, but I'll just wrap it up on this. 
You Milton Friedman's four ways to spend money. You spend money on yourself. Great. The cost and quality of what you're buying matters. You're spending your money on yourself. You want a low cost and high quality. You spend money on other people. Cost matters. It's your money. Quality, not so much. You're buying something for someone else. Other people spending other people's money on themselves. Again, even worse. Does the cost matter? No, it's not your money. But the quality matters because you're spending other people's money on yourself. What's the worst way to spend money? Other people spending other people's money on other people. On other people, yes. What matters? Cost? No, it's not your money. Quality? That doesn't matter either. You're not even spending the money on yourself. That's the government. That's the government. Spending other people's money on other people, cost nor quality, never matter. That's government medicine. Is cost going to matter? Hell no. It's not your health plan. You're in the government. You're protected. Is the quality of the medicine going to matter? No, it's not your chest getting cracked open. What do you care? Wake up. These are really, really bad ideas. All right, folks. Nah, thanks again for tuning in. Hey, one quick thing before we go. Um, iOS, uh, I, the Apple podcast there was an update to iOS and we've been told by our uh, people who monitor our traffic that that new update changed the downloads. The bottom line is this folks, if you listen to us on Apple podcasts on their podcast app, please make sure you're subscribed. It helps us a lot. I really appreciate it. I humbly ask. Uh, it means a lot to us. The subscription it's free. You don't have to pay a dime for it, but if you subscribe, you may have been unsubscribed without knowing. Um, so I ask you, uh, please, uh, Please resubscribe. It helps us keep good uh, good track of our numbers and what shows do well and don't. Uh, it's getting skewed lately because of this iOS update. So check that out. Also, follow us on iHeartRadio. It's all free. Follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for all your support. Uh, again, happy Thanksgiving week. We'll be producing a show for you every day. Don't worry. Um, but I will, just so you know, because I don't like to be, uh, I will be taping Thursday's show, Wednesday night with Joe. But it'll still be worth your time, so don't miss out, all right? All right, folks, thanks a lot. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.